The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is all things elite. Welcome back to all things elite. Load up the pod, man. It's on when we speak. Rich right here, let me warm it up for Austin and Floyd. Couldn't be no one but the boys. When it come to all things elite from the fan perspective, swear, man, it ain't no question. Here from the first, swear, man, they putting in the work. No, they had to get me for the verse. Social suplex networks on. I was at a time in your headphones. Austin and Floyd on the microphone. Backing out on the rent, getting in the zone. Pulling up the show, give it seven stars, you already know. Who else could it be but the show with the proclivity for a positivity? I'm gone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 202 of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I'm Lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Mr. Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing? I am feeling 200. I mean, because we just hit show 200, and now Dynamite hit show 200. It's just like 200 is this magical number, but I am feeling good. I am feeling great. I am feeling like a collider. I guess they're collider, and the Dynamite fans are called exploders. I'm both. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, but I am just. It's it's been a good week. Uh, ready for. Uh, I was gonna say this Saturday is the first time this is happening. You got SummerSlam and Collision on at the same time. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun, interesting thing. I, um, I can't wanna... wait for. Can't wait for the wrestling fans to be like, oh, WWE kicked AEW's ass when it's a pay per view versus a goddamn TV show. I mean, and it's. The, f- the one of the four. It's one of the flagships. It's a big four, exactly. Yeah, it's one of the flagships. It's SummerSlam. It's the biggest party of the summer. We got tribal warfare. I'm not going to run down the uh, thing. No, but I'm just saying, it's like, you know, people are going to turn it on that. But, you know, you, you got cable. You got you got a little TBS. I, and I, I do think, what last week to, to show from Collision and just saying it made over 700000 It was their highest since the debut. Yeah. Um, Collision's in a good spot. What last, people, what last week is showing is Collision has a core audience. I think the core audience is about five hundred to 600,000 people. These are 500,000 to 600,000 people, people, me included, that are going to turn it on the show no matter what. Like, that's what's going to happen. And then if it's a bigger show, you got 100, 200,000 people to decide whether there's other stuff on TV, whether they want to go out that night, and I think it'll fluctuate. Now, this week with a free wrestling show on, you know, in essence, well, Peacock, you got to have Peacock, 
it could affect the number, but I still think the lowest it'll go down to is like 500,000 because I just think there's a core audience that's always going to tune in uh, for Collision. We will see. And we, and on Collision, you got a world title match. So we, yeah. we, we're, we're going to see because this is a big show. I mean, they, yes. they understood. People, people act like, you know, they don't pay attention. They knew this week they were going to be going up against another wrestling show. But, you know, we're going to see what happens there. But I am excited about the wrestling because, you know, I want to watch all the wrestling. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just looking up right now, dog. I'm just looking up at my LJN CM Punk figure that came in this week. And I'm just smiling because I know that my boy is going to get the job done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I believe so, too. But yeah, let's. Uh, but yeah, other than that, good stuff. Uh, yeah, Cody Rhodes put out a new red jacket. He put out the documentary. So if y'all haven't went on WWE Network and watched the documentary, AEW is brought up quite a bit in that documentary. Also, also, can I? Yeah, let's jump into this. Can I just comment on that too? Because goddamn Triple H, you beta, you absolute beta. I, I can't believe I'm even using that as an insult, but like, dog. The way that this, like, you, y'all you got the permission from AEW to use, like, all-in footage and use uh, being the elite footage. So, like, and it's blatantly mentioning the company. And Triple H still goes out here after they do the bit where Cody talks about him leaving AEW and call, takes the opportunity to take a pot shot calling AEW a secondary company. Like... Really, dude? Your pride and joy, your baby, NXT, went head-to-head on Wednesdays and lost 74 out of 75 weeks in the key demos of 18 to 49. And then you quietly had to tuck your tail between your legs and rock your way back over to Tuesdays and then lost your position on NXT because Vince saw that and got pissy. And then a and then NXT upgraded to 2.0 until they realized, wait, this is shit. And then Shawn Michaels started doing stuff. Don't even try that. Like again, I get it. P- like taking your pot shots. I remember the pissant company comment that he made when Billy Gunn was at the Hall of Fame speech, and that was a funny comment. I will give you credit. But like, dog. Like the way that th- this man talks loser speak. Because I remember the interview he did. I think it was with Ariel Hawani after they talked about NXT moving back to Tuesdays and them losing to AEW, and he said, great, you beat our developmental. Good for you. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Like, you're really going to talk like that? You're really going to talk like that? Triple H, shut up. Like, book your wrestling, run your show, do what you do, but shut up. Just shut up. It's that simple. It was the most pissy comment I've ever seen. I probably took it way harder than you did, Floyd. But I was like, this man is such a fucking bitch. Like, shut up. I'm like, you're great. You're amazing. Obviously, Triple H, Game of game, game, the Game, King of Kings, all that kind of stuff. We all respect you like that. But shut the fuck up. I want to be, I will say this. I did not take it as harshly as you did. <laughs> I honestly thought it was a, it was a nice, you know, he, I thought it was a nice way of saying it. I took it completely the other way. Because he didn't call it a princess and a little company. He went from piss ant to secondary. And in my oh, so he's like, he improved. He did improve. 
I'm like, I, you know, I come, I come from a world of Full House, and you know, AEW's Urkel and WWE's Lloyd. He's Laura. He's wearing you down, baby. He's wearing you down. You went from pissant yep. to calling me a secondary company, and by all definitions of the word secondary. I mean, technically, AEW is a secondary. I company. mean, yeah, they're the number two co- yeah, like, American number, wrestling company in the yeah, world. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, by all definitions, secondary, they're a secondary company. And I love a, uh, Tony Khan's comeback. We're not going to be secondary in London for all in, which is true. And yeah. I mean, they're probably about to put on, I think they're only like 3,000 people away and three weeks away from putting on literally the biggest wrestling show in uh, the history of the United Kingdom. So, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh say anything. I'm not like completely saying Triple H didn't mean anything by it because he probably did mean something by it. I just the way that his tone was, yeah. like I no, said, no, no. I I am like I said, I'm all for pot shots, but my response was clearly just be to shut up. Like you are clearly like taken aback by what AEW has done and you're pissy about it. Like that's that simple. It's that simple. I I don't know. I just the way I take it though is that I know how petty that company is. Everybody inside of it, like all the higher ups and all that kind of stuff, I know the pettiness behind it. So I'm a little bit more on guard and a little bit more high strung with that kind of shit because I know the pettiness. I just know it. This company's petty, dude. That's just how it goes. And like you know, in in any other situation where somebody says secondary company like that, like it's a factual statement. When it comes out of Hunter's mouth, it comes with prepubescent pettiness. I mean, that's kind of how he rolls. So I get, I d- definitely get what he comes from. And me not taking it offensive, honestly, let's be real, it's probably naive. <laughs> you know, but look, man, I get it though, because he's a, he was a secondary champion. Yes, yes, he was. He was a secondary champion. They literally just made a belt and gave it to him so he would be champion. No, mm-hmm. but now I can't he wasn't John him. Cena. Yeah, he wasn't John Cena. Yeah, but come on, who's John Cena? No one's. John wasn't Cena. it? Wasn't the Rock or Stone Cold either? Yes. So that's fine. I love Hunter to death, honestly. But like, shut up. Yeah, it was it was so funny because everybody was just like very, very, very much. Yours was the consensus, and I just like. I mean, let's be real. I mean, Pepsi's the secondary company to Coke. Pepsi's still a billion dollar company. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just like it's not. It's not that big a deal to me. You know, it's like right. It's like it's like oh, okay, that's cool. You know, you're second to the WWE. You're second to a company that had a 50-year head start. Yeah. Cool. That's pretty crazy how that worked yeah. out, <laughs> It's like, you're, yeah. se- you're secondary to a company that had a 50-year head start. So, it's really not that big a deal. No, but uh, no, I, I, I laughed at it. I, I moved on. I, you know, of course, it's a Cody documentary, so I was focusing on Cody and Absolutely. his time there, and it was just like him and the Bucks and what they did, and it was amazing, and it was just great to relive those moments. It was cool because a lot of the moments I was literally there for, a lot of the moments you were there for. Yeah, absolutely. So no, the documentary yeah. itself was great. Yeah, and they did a great. What I'm going to say, this. Dusty was a big part of the documentary. But it was Dusty and how it related to Cody. So they really did a good job of making the documentary about Cody. Yes. Like even when Brandy was on there, it was in how it relates to Cody. And it was a Cody Rhodes documentary. Because you have so many big personalities in Cody's world, including his dad, his basically Hall of, a guaranteed Hall of Famer brother, and you know, his wife, 
who has a huge personality, very awesome, very opinionated woman, is like, it's sometimes going to be hard coming from that family making the documentary about Cody. I thought that was a good job. Like I said, the only reason this is coming up because AEW was a character. AEW and the independence was very much a character in uh, this uh, documentary. And, uh, you know, it was, co- it was really cool. I, I, uh, and then I was going to correct you. They didn't actually use any AEW footage. All their feuded footage was from BTE. That's true, yeah. Yeah, they didn't actually use any AEW footage. It was, I thought they used footage of All In, or like at least yes, pictures. It was Brandon Cutler's phone and stuff from All In. You know what? Like that is fair since that was being the lead. So like <laughs> yeah. that's how they got away with just yeah, using that. Yeah, shit. So yeah. That they, is that. You know what? Fair because I I just saw it as they used being the elite and All In. Oh uh, yes, no, they used being the elite's footage, and it's like all they had to do was get the okay from the young bucks because that's who owns that footage. But which is it's fine. I honestly don't think Tony Khan would have had a problem giving them the footage. I doubt it. W- I doubt WWE wanted to use the actual AEW footage because they're not trying to give AEW any type of you know exactly. press or the you know at the end of the show you'd have to say. Uh, footage brought to you by All Elite Wrestling, and you and have don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, and you have All Elite Wrestling in your tagline. So no, they don't. I mean, and it's funny because I wouldn't think about this kind of stuff if I haven't learned. I've been trained to. I have been trained to think like this because of wrestling now. Yeah. Pretty so, much. Yeah. But either way, though, moving off of that talk, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, like we said, AW, AW Dynamite 200 just aired two nights ago when we're recording that when this will be airing. And uh, we got to talk about Collision from last night, which I mean, last week, which a, was a hell of a show. Um, and we'll also mention like uh, some other uh, big news from AEW related stuff. But before we get into this show, please continue, guys. We appreciate it when you download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, who, whoever you wish. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And also be sure to leave ratings and reviews. They help out a ton. You can follow us on Twitter at ATElitePod. You can also follow at Social Suplex who make this show possible and have a bunch of other outstanding shows on their network. Please go check all those out. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And the news of the week of the week is that All Elite Wrestling has locked up the Elite for the foreseeable future. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page have all re-signed with AEW. So the Elite are staying Elite. This was something like obviously there were some slight concerns in the regards of would they stick around or like would they how long would it take until they try they eventually resigned, um, but at least the good news is that like again, I take this this signing at least to the factoid of like whatever the backstage shit is wasn't enough to drive the elite away, basically. So aid the elite are still sticking in all elite wrestling, which I mean again if they weren't here it would feel like what the hell has happened because this company was started off of these guys. Like they were the whole basis of the starting of this company. So, you know, kind of have to make sure that they stick around at least for the foreseeable future. So it's great news though. I'm, I'm so stoked that they're sticking around and yeah, I mean the elite are who are exactly what they are elites. So yeah, this is dope. Yeah, this is amazing news. I am happy that they're coming. I was one of the few people 
that was zero percent worried that this was going to happen. Uh, I, I'll just say this: this is how I saw it. I figured if the number was right, whatever the money is, I didn't think there was any way they were leaving. Uh, the a, a, the elite, which includes the Young Bucks and Kenny, uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday in Dynamite, or uh, yeah, last night on Dynamite, they worked their fourteenth match this year. Mm-hmm. They worked their fourteenth match. It's crazy. It's August. Not televised. That's their 14th match this year. They're getting paid full-time salaries and our executive vice president. I'm not saying they're not working backstage and not staying. They're not helping book everything. But as far as actual wrestling, they worked their 14th match this year. Do you think they want to go to the WWE schedule? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Again, I, I, Cody's a different story. Cody was raised by WWE, right? Yeah. That, that schedule was a part of his life. And if you saw him in AEW, it seemed like he was working that schedule anyway. He was doing oh television God, yeah. appearances. He was doing TV shows. That man doesn't like to sit still. So I get it, right? He just went back to what he already knew. Young Bucks and Kenny Omega... I don't think they've run that WWE main roster schedule. And I'm not saying WWE wouldn't have made an offer. I'm not saying any of that. It's just saying logically. I'm thinking like a person that's working, right? Yeah. I, right now, I work six, seven days a week, depending on. And if somebody had said, hey, Floyd, come work for AEW, right? We're going to pay you the same amount you're making, but you're only going to work four days a week. Then I go to AEW. And they say, well, hey, come back here. You're going to go back to working seven days a week and still make the same amount. I'm going to say, fuck you. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. And that's what I'm saying. I'm just using logic based on not knowing them at all. These are grown men. They have the reasons. It might even just been as simple as they built this. They want to ride it out. But I'm just like, logically, why would you go to the WWE schedule? Yeah. I said the same thing with FTR. No one, it, it, when I, everything I said about FTR, when I said there was no way, everybody was like, how you know? Did they say anything? They were like, no. Don't talk to me like that. No. Uh, no. It's just, I listen to words. Dak's like, I will fly in that day. I spend the day at the show. I'm literally on the first plane out. I love being at home. You know where he can't do that? <laughs> so it's just like to me it's just like me putting you know grown man working logic into this this there's it's still a job using job logic why would you go for probably the same amount of money go work somewhere and then work more doesn't make a lot of sense so i don't know i think they had it pretty good there Hangman's, hangman's, all four of them are signed. It's a great time in all elite wrestling. I mean, now we don't have to hear about this for several more years. Yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, you know, I don't know how many more years the Young Bucks want to wrestle. I, like I said, I'm not speculating or anything. Yeah, sure. But I Kenny's, know that Kenny's even said that he's starting to run out of those big matches. Yeah, so shit, they might not even do full time contracts the next time they get it. But we have them for the foreseeable future. There's some big matches to do there. Like I said, everything I said, I want to make sure everyone's clear. 
I am a fan that was speculating on what their thoughts could be. I don't know anything. <laughs> like, I just wanted that to be known. And I'm not saying I own anything. I'm just over here speculating. It's just trying to put myself in the same position of another guy look, thinking about taking another job. So I am glad that E is in AEW. Uh, you know, they are the heart and soul AEW. Again, I always say when I give the elite shit, when I give Hangman shit, I hope everyone knows it is all in good fun. It's all in fun. But yes, I respect fun. the fuck out of Young Bucks. Where they could come from and what they do. I respect the fuck out of Kenny Omega and the Hangman. I think mean, they have busted their ass to give my favorite promotion right now, which is AEW. So I, I'm glad they're back. Yeah. But now I'm really glad they're back. Because now they can get beat up by CMFTR. Exactly. So <laughs> regardless of the fact, yes, we're glad to hear that AEW is keeping the elite, the E in AEW. Um, we'll move into this week in AEW. We'll start from Rampage. Basically, the only thing I want to comment on mostly was the tag team battle royal, which would give the winning team uh, the chance to face whoever won in the collision main event, which was the tag team title match between FTR and MJF and Adam Cole. Uh, the teams that were included were Angela Parker and Matt Menard, Big Bill and Brian Cage, Brother Zay and Cage, Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel, Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh, Jeff Hardy and Matt, like the Hardys, Luther and Serpentico, Butcher and the Blade. Um, only thing I would say, though, is like, you know, there was like maybe like three teams in this uh, battle royal that weren't actual tag teams. They just happened to be like kind of just paired up together uh, because they were in factions or storylines together. Um, but the winners of the match ended up being Big Bill and Brian Cage. So wanted to comment on that. And then the other thing, too, is that we got Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose, which was basically used to kickstart what would be heading into the main event of Dynamite this week which was Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm for the AW Women's Championship. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was just nice seeing this feud that, like, has been in AEW for a little while. Like, Shida and Nyla, Nyla Rose or Nyla Rose versus Riho were some of the bright moments of uh, the early stages of AEW's women's division. Uh, so just wanted to comment on that, at least. Floyd, you got anything else you want to say about Rampage? Big Bill. Big Bill in... Uh... Brian Cage is who I said I wanted to win. I thought it was going to be the Hardys. I was wrong, of course. Thought it was going to be the Hardys. I thought that made the most sense. But Big Bill and Brian Cage, I love it. I just love I like it. how they're using that team, honestly. I, I like big monster tag teams. I always have liked big monster tag teams. And uh, I think they present a threat for FTR because they are so much bigger and stronger than FTR. They're actually a team that if you look back in uh, AEW... And very long time in WWE, they haven't wrestled a team this size in a long time. So it's it's you've gotten you know you got Juice and Jay White, and then you got MJF and Adam Cole. They pretty much wrestled a very FTR friendly style, in my opinion. It could be wrong, could be not, or could be right. But I feel like they wrestled a FTR style. This is going to be a different type of match because. They're much bigger, much stronger. You know, FTR is all about hitting hard and all that kind of stuff. They're probably going to have to go to more of their technical side and work a limb or something to uh, get through this match. So I'm very excited about the, what this matchup could mean as far as storytelling for FTR. Yeah, absolutely. Collision now from this past week taking place in Hartford, Connecticut. 
We got to talk about the ladder match for Andrade El Idolo's mask. That match was killer. And also a big focus on, like, storylines. Like I said, I always love it when wrestling shows can give solid storylines that don't revolve around a title. Andrade and the and the Dark Order. I mean, Dark Order, so my bad. The House of Black, Jesus. Uh, Andrade and the House of Black have had a really started feud, solid feud that's gone through those first few weeks of collision, all surrounding Andrade's mask. Going back to what the ma- the first episode of Collision had, which was Andrade versus Buddy Matthews, this time putting it in a ladder match, and these guys absolutely killed it. Buddy Matthews literally had his shoulder out of socket and had to go to over go over to, to Doc uh, to go over to the Doc by ringside. Doc Samson. Doc, Doc Samson. Samson had to like pull his arm and like get his shoulder back into socket, but so he can continue the match. That is. Such levels of just badass insanity, dude. Like, seriously, it freaks me out every time I see that. Because I could see him holding, like, not only using one arm when he was getting the ladder set up. And I'm like, is his arm all right? Like, what the hell happened? And then you see him go, like, pulling on the ropes, trying to get it back in. I'm like, oh, my God, his shoulder's out of socket. I'm like, oh, my God. And he was able to still get it set up and get back into the match. And they did such great work. Great character work with the spot with Julia Hart. Her climbing on top of Andrade and then being pushed off of the ladder into Buddy Matthews through the table was a great finish. Um, loved it, especially considering the fact she was the one carrying around the mask. Her being used in that final spot was outstanding. I love the use of Juilliard in this feud. Uh, and yeah, Andrade wins his mask back and caps off that feud, honestly. A really good opening collision feud uh, that had nothing to do with championships but was still highly entertaining. And this match was great. Sorry, uh, mute. A very good match. I uh, very much enjoyed it. Um, sorry, uh, got you're good. Uh, you're uh, good. Unfortunately, sometimes I'm reading because you know I work during this period of time. So, uh, no, very good match. Don't really have anything to add. I think you covered it pretty well. Yeah, only uh, some other stuff too. We got Darby Allen versus a surprise Minoru Suzuki. Darby just wanted to fight somebody, and he's facing Minoru Dude, Suzuki. I-, I love this aspect of Darby. I he he was pissed off about uh he was pissed off about AR Fox and so he just wanted to fight anybody to come out and who comes out the fucking murder grandpa uh a, a guy who will always answer a call for a fight and also at, faced off against Darby Allen in for, at Forbidden Door dude you know what's so awesome about the uh Minoru Suzuki Wins and losses don't matter to him. It doesn't matter. He still has that same level of fear and like just protection around him because he's Minoru Suzuki. He doesn't have the best record in AEW, and it doesn't matter. Because when you hear Kazanirare, it's all that matters because this dude is over as hell when he shows up in AEW. At some point, he can, he can you know he can put you in that sleeper, turn you around, and drop you on your head. Yeah, and That's it's all just, you need. It's just a level of respect. Or like I said, wins and losses don't matter. This was a super hard-hitting match for Darby. Not the type of match that he generally has to, you know, have. Because, you know, generally he's so much oversized. But, you know, Mordoro Suzuki, kind of his size. He's, you know, a little more bigger, but he's kind of his size. It was a very hard-hitting match. That dude bumps and sells like crazy. And he hits him with the coffin drop to get the win. It was good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards you had Christian Cage and, uh, Luchasaurus call him out on the Titantron. 
basically being like, you got, you seem to got other stuff going on, Darby. So Swerve and your former friend AR Fox. So you've got a bit of a distraction, Darby. So you can't be distracted when you're vying for my TNT championship. And he basically said, like, you are no longer qualified. I'm going to send you back to the mall or the Hot Topic or wherever the hell you came from because you will never touch this championship as long as it's in my possession. So nice little promo there. I, I, that I, off. I love his my, then our. My, yeah, then we. our. Yeah, and then we. It's, it's so good. And the way that he looks at him, too, as he does it, dude, it's so it's so good. Yeah, and Luchasaurus is like, cool, I'm TNT champion. I don't care. I'm, like, I'm dude, just a monster. Dude, I'm going to fuck people dude, up. It doesn't do, really matter. Do your thing, and it's just one of those things. I don't even know if Luchasaurus can promo, and I don't care. Like the dude has Christian as a mic, and you can't get better than that. He's the promo of the week every week sometimes, and he's just he can give you whatever you need. And his shit eating, uh, sitting leash of a heel uh, type of manager thing is really working right now. Yes. Um, we'll we'll pass over the Joe versus Gravity thing, which the only thing I would love was the fact that he did his classic move out of the way of the dive by doing Gravity's like moonwalk, like slow motion walk on the moon, which was just funny. But we got to get to the punk segment because we found out what was in the bag and it was what we all thought it was basically being like, listen, first of all, he was like, no one seems to really want to talk about uh, Wembley Stadium. Am I the first wrestler to mention that? Which is so funny how he brought that up because he like no one had booked a match for that show at this point. He's like, is CM Punk going to marry old England to wrestle on the Wembley Stadium show? He's like, we might have to, we might know by the end of the night. And it has a lot to do with what's in the bag. And he talked about Ricky Starks being like, you beat me twice, once in singles, once in tag team. He's like, I'm disappointed though because more pissed off for the tag match because I'm pissed off for Darby Allen. It's like, I can take the L. Can you take it knowing that you're just a cheater and you can only cheat to beat CM Punk? And he said, look, ladies and gentlemen, this is me not being nice anymore. The truth doesn't care if you're nice. Truth doesn't care if you're right and wrong. Right. And I'm the champion. As he pulls out the AEW World Championship saying, I am the real world, champion, world champion. This title has my name on it, not because I deserve it, but because I earned it. Nobody has pinned me or submitted me for it. It's still covered in my blood from last September when I beat John Moxley for it. And since then, nobody's beaten me for it. It's got my name on it, my blood on it, and now it has my symbol on it as he pulls out spray paint, sprays an X over the center of the belt. Coincidentally, obviously, nice that AEW's logo ends with, like in the middle has the E, for the elite, and that's exactly where the X sets over. Sym- symmetry as well as symbolism, I would like to say about this moment. Symmetry and symbolism. Um, and he says, this X has represented CM Punk since 1997. When I was born! Hope you feel old, motherfuckers! This X is the foundation of what I built my wrestling career on, and it means I'm straight edge, and straight edge means I'm better than you. This title is mine, it belongs on Collision, and this title is not stolen, unlike my catchphrase, diss to MJF. And again says, I am the real world champion, which is what they've dubbed the title now, the real world championship. Ricky Starks then walks out, actually says, like, we're doing a real entrance. Play my music. I'm going to walk back. Pretend y'all never saw me. Very entertaining. And Ricky was like, I'm sold on gold right now. And it, regardless, you would have done the same thing 
if it was the shoe on the other foot last week. So I bit you before you could ever bite me. What's on your shoulder now belongs to me. And Punk was like, are you the face of collision, Ricky Starks, like you said? Or are you the face of cheating? Did you beat me twice or did the referees beat me twice? He's like, I could have had Stevie Wonder of my ref and I'd still beat you. And Ricky then proceeds to say, as Punk says, all right, I'm going to need extra eyeballs, though, if we're going to do this match for the title. I'm going to need a special guest referee. He's like, look, it's clear right now. You don't have any friends around here. Let's call a spade a spade. So if you've got to dig in your past, you got to get up Dave Prezak. you got to go up to Stanford to get somebody. Whoever it is, I don't care because I can do it again. And Punk was like, okay, fine. I'm going to get a guest referee, someone from my past, and he lets Tony Schiavone announce it. The referee that is going to be included in this match, special guest enforcer, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And if you're a CM Punk fan, you know that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat has done some refereeing in CM Punk's hist- uh, very long lineage of Ring of Honor career. So him and Ricky, Ricky Steamboat have a history. So it's going to be amazing to see him on collision. Um, and yeah. Let's, uh, let's be real about this. Let me say, Ricky Dragon Steamboat popped my old ass. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if you're going to talk about people that, uh, uh, you know, if you're a CM Punk fan, you know what that means, popped his old ass. But I do think there's probably a large part of the audience that's like, okay. And I was like, I don't know who it could have been. I don't have an answer. I don't. I'm, I'm saying this. Hey, this is a critique with no suggestion for a way it could have been better. It feels like it would have been better if it would have been somebody from Ricky Starks' past because he did it like a gotcha moment. And I don't feel like Ricky Stringboat is a gotcha for Ricky Starks. Not for Ricky Starks, basically just being like, look, I need somebody from my past. Yeah. And, then, no. and it was just, it, the, the gotcha was literally just the fact that they both have the same name. Yes. And uh, I do like, I do like, if you're Saturday morning, you grew up on Saturday morning wrestling, you're an old school WCW fan, Ricky Dragon Stringboat means a lot to you having him in there it's going to be in crockett country that's where the show's going to be with rocky ricky steamboat all of that makes sense it was just kind of like there was a little moment like oh did i mean is, there is ricky rigging dragon steamboat like ricky stark's real daddy or something i didn't i, mean, I didn't get it i didn't get it whether like why it was a a thing and how it was dropped now i felt like if you would have came back on the interview and it's like oh they got ricky dragon steamboat but it was just like how it was done it felt like it should have been more of a gotcha, and it wasn't, you know, and that kind of thing. Again, critique, because that's what I'm doing. But like, like I said, I'm very happy about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat being the guy. Absolutely, and I'm happy because the true AEW World Champion, the true real World Champion, we were there. We saw it happen. Never lost. He never lost the title since he won his match at All Out 2022. That, that is world champion. He should be your world champion if you don't cheer for people who are so clearly either going to stab or get stabbed in the back. You can't stab Punk in the back because he's already five feet ahead of you like at all times. That is the world champion of this company, and you will accept it, and you will... I won't say acknowledge it because... Somebody else has that, but 
Regardless, we don't we don't still get seeing trade. punk with gold around it. Seeing mm-hmm. punk with gold around his shoulder or around his waist, that's the way things need to be around here, and it's going to stay like that. So yeah, peps, us Pepsi people don't steal catchphrases. We don't do that. We don't do that. Nope. We're, we're we just win. That. We just win titles and then make you uh, uh, show respect to those who hold gold. We tell the truth in all things. CM Punk. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, on the other things too, on this match, we had a pretty solid triple uh, six women. I mean, six man tag match between Bullet Club Gold and Action and Dreddy, Darius Martin and El Hijo del Vikingo. That was a damn good tag uh, tri- trios match. Um, I love Juice's inclusion uh, with the gun's entrance the entrance where he was just in the back, just like getting gassed up. Having, uh, like I said, the guns in Bullet Club Gold, the Bang Bang Gang, um, has been a really nice addition. And again, the more I can get Juice Robinson on AEW, the better. I love Juice. I love, I love Jay White. I love this whole group. Like I said, dude, Bullet Club Gold has been such a great addition um, of course, El Hijo del Vikingo, Darius, Andrade did a lot of high-flying stuff. But the guns uh, proceeded to hit the 310 uh, to uh, knock out the uh, match. Uh, 310 to Yuma, sir. Yes, 310 to Yuma, wow. yes. It's a movie, if you didn't know that. I did not know that, no. Yeah, it's an actual movie. It's a actually fairly new Western. It might have been a remake of an old rest, But the 310 to Yuma, because they're cowboys like their daddy um yeah yeah and then also uh we got to mention too we saw a mercedes martinez match i i honestly was wondering where mercedes martinez had been she got a victory over kira hogan and then as she was uh continuing to hold the hold on uh uh the submission hold uh the brass city sleeper on kira hogan Chris Statlander runs up to break up the hold, and then that's when Martinez picks up the title and knocks out uh, Chris Statlander with it. So we actually have a possible feud right here now for that TBS championship, which I've said I'd like to see what the hell Chris Statlander's feud is going to be like for that. And I think having Mercedes Martinez in this feud is honestly all right. Um, And then Willow Nightingale also chased off Martinez, which like led me to believe that, okay, we'll get that match down the line too. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited. I'm a big Mercedes Martinez fan. Uh, I think Chris Statlander needs some big challengers to uh, yes. put on good, some good matches for our TBS title. This is as good a challenger as any. You know, uh, the whole idea, like when we talk about booking the women's division better, I, I do think stuff like this helps. But I would like Mercedes to win a couple more weeks in a row. Then, Before you know, she gets the title, title shot. shot. Yeah, just to... Kind of build her up. Or just up. keep yeah, going yeah. after Chris Statlander yeah, yeah, yeah. and keep getting yeah. heat on her. Yeah, so, you know, maybe maybe they have the match on Saturday. And, then, you know, can we get the first women's time limit draw in history or whatever? I don't know. I just don't think – I just don't want it to be Chris Statlander wins and moves on. I mean, maybe they have someone else lined up. But I just feel like – I think we need meteor uh, – especially with Chris, we need meteor type of rivalries. We need – we need some meat on that bone of the rivalry. Yeah, I I, I can feel that for sure. Um, I'm at least just happy that she's getting a rivalry. Um, but main event, AEW World Tag Team Championship on the line. FTR defending against MJF and Adam Cole, baby. Uh, I mean, I'll just pass it off to Floyd, honestly. Okay. Now, this match, this match... 
I I thought was a really good match. And I I want but I want to put some disclaimers as I go further into it is that this match was telling a story. The ma- point of this match was to get to what was announced on Dynamite and it was a story. So rather than just go on and put on a classically great technical wrestling match, there was a lot of hugging you know, like double clothesline, trying to do the double clothesline. There was a lot more playing to the crowd. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, I thought this was, this was, it's funny. It's it's funny. It's like, and I'm not even saying this in defense of FTR. I'm not saying it in defense of anybody because they're grown men. They don't, need my, they don't need me to defend them. But when you come off what people call the greatest American tag team match in television history, the next match isn't going to hit that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a quarterback throwing for 500 yards, and then he throws for 350 the next game. It's like, I thought you didn't throw for 500. Well, yeah, 350 is still a fucking good game, and I thought this was a really good match. Again, I always thought that Adam Cole and MJF were a perfect uh, like they wrestle a style that's very similar to FTR, and there was going to be some chemistry there uh, early on with uh, Max Max basically working face, uh, hitting uh, the uh, headlock takeover, and then you know the looks, and then there's that moment where him and Dax, and and I don't like this. This like came off as the most real moment. I see in wrestling. It was like when he slapped Dax and then Cash ran in to fight him and then they all just got in and then started fighting. That came off very organic. I don't know if you remember that uh, section, but it came off very organic. Yeah, like, I do. Like Cash really got like, really got pissed. And in this moment, it caught me and I got lost in the moment. And I was like, oh shit, MJF started something. And honestly, I felt like that's where the match started. Like, everything else was kind of warming up to that, and that's where the match started. Then we got a classic tag team match. Uh, I love FTR playing into the double clothesline. I thought there was two ways you could do it, and I didn't mention the second way last week. There was two ways you could do it in this match. You could uh, go with, uh, you know, hit the double clothesline, and then, like, Dax and Cash just fucking no-sell it completely and kick out at, like, one and give you the middle finger. Like, you're not going to beat me with the double clothesline. I thought that was the one way to go. I That is the way I wanted it to go. But the other way that you can go is they treated the double clothesline like the deadliest finisher in wrestling history. Oh, my God, they avoided the double clothesline like the plague. They did all the I mean, time. Like the plague. You would have thought it was you would have thought it was the doomsday device or, <laughs> or something or the 3D because they avoided it like it was the plague because uh, Adam Cole and MJF, every time they were going to hit it, they said, double clothesline. And then, every time. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, Dax pulled Cash out of the ring on one, and then it was just like, it was just like this big thing, and uh, in the end, it was this moment, and of course, the end moment was a storytelling moment. Um, they were setting Adam Cole up for, uh, uh, for the Shatter Machine. MJF pushes Adam Cole out of the way and it takes that shatter machine for Adam Cole. Then in in the uh in the hubbub, I believe it was Cash. Uh 
I honestly can't remember. I believe Cass rolled up uh uh MJF. Is that how that works? Uh, I'm, let me make sure I got that right, actually. Because yeah, uh, I know you have the guy. The, the, yeah, no, resolve. it was uh, it was actually Dax rolling up him. Dax rolled up uh, MJF. Or, or uh, Adam Cole. Yeah, Dax one? rolled up. Uh, no, Dax. Yeah, Dax rolled up MJF. MJF yeah, took the end. I'm just saying, where's Dax's title shot? And just throwing that out there. That's Dax what I'm saying, the yeah. World champion. We've seen, we've yeah. seen Dax in singles matches. Yeah, Dax been the world champion. I mean, that's literally... The whole thing for the SummerSlam build right now is that Jay also feel of Vander Roman in a tag team match. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, Dax pins MJF. They have this moment after, and it looks like MJF's going to turn on Adam Cole. Adam Cole turns around. MJF gives him a hug, and it was just a big spot and everything. And, you know, FTR walks off as you're still, still. Still AEW Tag Team Champions, which is, I'm very happy right now because they're getting the title run they should have got the first time. Their first time was a very short title run. They won it at full, or they won it at all out, lost it at full gear. A very, it's, I believe it's the shortest title run in AEW right now, uh, history. <laughs> and it's just, I love that they're getting to put on what they do, and that's great tag team wrestling. But Adam Cole, MJF, they told a perfect story. Uh, I always talk about how MJF's a phenom. Adam Cole's not a phenom. Adam Cole is 20 years of hard fucking work that knows how to do this on another level. Their work together, their work together, I'm talking about the when they wrestled. I'm talking about the the singing, the dancing, all the stuff that goes in is, is perfect. This is a 100% of WWE storyline. And they're doing a WWE storyline better than anything I've seen on WWE in quite a while. I mean, yeah, I, I got to give the credit where credit's due, other than the bloodline. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So no, uh, no, I really enjoyed this match. I like I said, but I, I wanted to be, you know, I always try to be honest. Was this a five seven star FTR match? No, it was a really, really. It good was wrestling. really good. It was and a again, really good wrestling match. And but, again, the story yeah. going into it was absolutely surrounding Adam Cole and MJF, which is the hottest thing in AEW currently right now. I'm not afraid to say that. And that was the. Mo- so I'll talk at least about the moments after the match where FTR after MTR won. Um, they shook hands with Adam Cole, and then MJF was sitting in the corner like, "I blew it. I lost us the match, man." And Adam Cole was like, no, you are still champion. You are still who you are. You have nothing to be ashamed of. He says, I love you. And then as he turns around, MJF then takes the championship and holds it. And he's looking and he's like bashes his head into the turnbuckle, basically like trying to like will himself to do it. And Adam Cole can sense it and hear the crowd. And he's just like, I knew it. It's like in his head. He's like, I knew it. And he just holds his arms out being like, do what you got to do. And MJF titles down. He throws the title down with tears in his eyes, and Adam Cole was like, you didn't do it. And they hugged, and just tears in each other's eyes, and they're just hugging, and then they all just had a beautiful moment knowing these two did not break up, at least not yet. And yeah, it was a great moment to close out the show. And outstanding, I will say it was a really damn good collision that had a lot of build going into it. And I thought it was really fucking good. And again, that I will comment at least on my thoughts on the match. Like I said, wasn't five-star FTR, but it was a damn good main event tag team title match. And from a company, I will say, 
where tag team re- title, like the tag team wrestling scene was the best part about the company. It's it slid a little bit, I will say. And there was some injuries that definitely played a parts into it too. But the tag division took a bit of a hit a little bit, I would say. But FTR and Adam Cole uh, and F- and MJF, that that right there is even as it wasn't the best of the best that we've seen when it comes to FTR on AEW, just shows again why tag team wrestling has always been like one of the biggest feathers in AEW's cap. This is what this company has done so well. And yeah, I mean, dude, this this match was another point in that moment. And like FTR is just seriously the best, like seriously the best. Like I love how they were more than willing to be able to be like the take up the boo since this crowd was so over for Adam Cole and MJF and they were just going to duck the Uh double clothesline every second they got. I can't get back to that. That's one thing I do want to comment on and I forgot about. Oh, my God, it felt so good. Oh, FTR getting booed. I was going to say, man, didn't it feel oh, it felt, yeah. more felt yeah. more natural? Oh, we were home. We were home for one day. Oh, when the booze came out, when when Punk sprayed the X on the title, dude, yeah. I was just like, there we go. Uh, yeah. It was no, like, you know one of my favorite moments of seeing Punk's entire career? Holding a championship in front of another guy who's claiming to be the real champion, yeah. but he's actual, actually the champion who never lost? Yes. I'm telling you. It's like, you know... When it's a, a little uh, cold in the house and you get under kind of a warm blanket, that's what it felt like, FTR getting booed. Yes, people were like, oh, yeah, everyone loves them. I'm like, ah, it's cool. It's cool. I, it's cool. I love that there's people are giving them the flowers and they're selling merch and they're doing all that stuff. I love it. And I'm buying the shit out of all of the merch. But God yeah. damn it, my FTR, my revival. Dash and Dawson. Oh my God. They were hated. They were hated so much. Enzo and Cass, everybody wanted them to win the title so much. No, they didn't. And that's how it was. Everybody was on the flavor of the month. The flavor of the month. Adam Cole, baby. Better than you, baby. Let's buy the shirts. You got your shirts. You got your shirts. But FTR kept the belt. Remember that. Remember it. Yeah. Now, we'll move over to AEW Dynamite 200, which opened with Chris Jericho and Konosuke Takeshita versus Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. A solid match, I would say, to open the show. We got the greatness of Daniel Garcia, who I swear to God will just continue to just work just because of that stupid fucking dance. Um, But it was at least a good moment where Don Callis, like, you know, in the storyline, had the referee distracted uh, by Takeshita. And Chris Jericho's bat was taken by Don Callis, and he hit Garcia in the head. Jericho sees it, and he's just like, are you freaking kidding me, dude? But he was like, and and there you go. He kind of, at least in this sense, decided to just roll with the Don Callis family. And I'm willing to say, after the commercial break, Matt Menard was like, look, I don't know what the hell is going on around here, but next week, JAS mandatory meeting you got to be there and jericho just didn't say anything after that and so we're gonna have a mandatory jericho appreciation society meeting where i believe the group falls to pieces dude let me tell you um next week i think i think something it's like you know it's kind of weird i think it's gonna be a big episode as far as because it's the ninth and uh all ends on what is it 
And it, it, it's the yeah, the ninth, and until the twenty third is the go home show for all in, right? This is Tony time. Yeah. This is TK time, right? Like it is. The, like nothing will be set up for the show, and then it'll be like boom, 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 boom. God, we got twelve matches. Yeah, the ninth is TK time. So I think something's big is gonna happen with this group. I have my thoughts and theories. Uh, but I think something big is going to happen with the group, and I'm looking forward to next week when it happens. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, we move over to um, after a little very, uh, highlight package of the best moments of the last 200 episodes of Dynamite, which I loved. Um, we had the FTW uh, champion, and I just want everybody to know the first wrestler shown on the 200 were Cody and Brandy. Cody and Brandy weren't forgot; they were right there. At the right there, dude. From the center. first show, center stage. Yep. Oh my god. Because I like I saw some people because it was it was quick, and I saw some people get on the internet and like, oh, they didn't show Kelly and Brandy. We're like, yes, they did. They were the first picture. Now, did they move on quickly? Yes. I just I like I, I. It's so frustrating to me because I am such a Cody fan, but we we got to get past past this whole giving Cody his flowers and saying thank you for AEW. That guy has moved on, right? He's in yeah. the WWE. He's trying to finish his story. He has moved on. AEW is allowed to move on from him. Yeah, basically. They don't, they, they, and every time they have a point, they don't have to say, Cody got us here. Cody got us here. They don't, they, no. They don't, <laughs> no. Have, they don't have to do that. <laughs> Cody left. Cody's gone. Again, I love Cody Rhodes. Don't you know, I don't watch wrestling documentaries. I watched his one setting. Love Cody Rhodes, but at some point you you got to start stop saying you know thank you. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. like you do a five year anniversary. You're like oh the people to help make the show. That's great, but he left by his own choosing. I don't know why. He's never gonna tell me why. I'm never gonna speculate why because I don't know. He left. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah, again, we just we let's just move on. Let's just move on. Yeah. Thank you for everything you've done, but let's just move, move on. on. Yes, that's simple. So, anyways, we move on and we talk about FTW champion uh, Jack Perry coming in the ring, and he comes out and just says, uh, brings out Jerry Lynn, and as. Jerry Lynn gets brought out. He said, look, you don't run the show around here. And as much as I'd like to make an example out of you, I wouldn't because that would be nothing more than child abuse. And like, look, uh, I, there's not a doctor alive that would let me return to this ring. So I still know a friend of mine who happened to wrestle in ECW who also still wrestles today. So he call, says, what do you say, Jungle? And out comes RVD Ravan Dam. Who did who, who who did Floyd say it was gonna be? You said it was Rob Van Dam. Uh, it's, it's, it wasn't a prediction. Spoiler. No, I mean that was that was one of my two predictions. My my two were either him or Tommy Dream. And the music RVD. was his original ECW. Original ECW. Pantera music, actually paid for and licensed. Uh, I personally, let me be real. I don't. I didn't remember this music. I will like I will say firmly it took me a second too. I was like, "Oh shit, this is the Pantera theme that he used in ECW legit." 
I I'm sorry. RVD's one of a kind is still like so iconic. It's Jim Johnson on steroids. See, like seriously. I actually liked his uh impact uh impact, you know. RVD. Then it's like Oh, F and show. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I just like to, you know, I, I'm a fan. I like chanting. And it what was, a, there was chanting in that song. Yeah. What of a god? Hey, yeah. Hey. yeah. Now there's uh, chanting in that. Yeah, one. I guess they were never going to get that one though. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Obviously, no, but no, no. I, I, I. A friend told me how much RVD loved his music, and he had never hadn't been able to use it in a long time. So I thought this was really cool. RVD coming out, and he, you know, like, dude, you know, like. The dude takes care of himself. I mean, yeah. he he maybe what fifteen pounds heavier than he was <laughs> at his prime. It's it, it's really not a lot bigger, you know what I mean? And, and he still got around straight up, yeah. But on, he was able to take the steel chair and he uh, dodged the steel chair and then went for his spinning roundhouse kick. But Jack Perry ducked it, and yeah. RVD and Jack Perry for the FTW Championship under FTW rules next week on Dynamite. It's going to be amazing. I'm just so stoked. It's got me really excited about that. I feel like, okay, so Jungle Boy, when he was a face, had a heater in Luchasaurus. I feel like he needs a heater. We've said that. We've said that he needs somebody that can be his heater. Yeah. Yes, we need, he needs like a, he needs an enforcer, a big guy, somebody there. I don't know who it would be. That was the sense though. Like we said, like it kind of, in our heads, we were like, man, if Christian wasn't doing the TNT championship stuff with Luchasaurus, he'd be a really good heater for Jungle Boy. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe Christian and Luchasaurus and all of them get back together and they all have all the belts. I don't know what they're going to do. But I'm looking forward to next week because I get to see the whole effing show. And y'all understand, when I was young and I'm watching wrestling, I'm watching WWF and watching WCW. And, you know, occasionally we're in Oklahoma, so we didn't get to TV shows. But my friends would have tapes of ECW. And I remember seeing a Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn match. And I am not the super wrestling historian. I am not JR, so I'm not going to tell you what date or what show it was. But I watched RVD versus Jerry Lynn, and honestly, it changed how I watched wrestling forever. It's one of those definitive matches, definitive moments in your wrestling fandom where it's like somebody presents something in a way that you never seen it presented before. I, I, I honestly, Ray Phoenix was another person like that for me where you see somebody do something in a way that you've never seen it done before because they would put on these banger, amazing matches. And then you're like, okay, that's the only way I want to see it ever done again. And Jerry Lynn and RVD were that. And it's like the only reason like, I've met Jerry Lynn, the only reason I'll say it is because I am not the wrestling historian. I couldn't tell you if it was Barely Legal 95. I'm just throwing shit right. out there. I don't even know if there was a Barely Legal 95. I don't know what show it is, but I remember just watching that tape of RVD and Jerry Lynn watching the match, immediately watching it again and being like, that's professional wrestling. That is the beauty, that I, that is the art that I love so much. So uh, seeing RVD come back, I, I think it should be fun. I love the whole, I, I like. I, it feels like every wrestling company in history since ECW has done some kind of ECW thing. It was AEW's turn. Yeah, it was AEW's turn. Now, uh, moving on, though, we had an anything-goes match between 
John Moxley versus Penta versus Trent Beretta. Um, God, I was rooting for Trent so hard in this match, dude. You wouldn't even believe it. Um, and he got bust, like cracked open the back of his head too during this match. Moxley immediately going for a barbed wire two by four and splitting uh, their the head open of uh, Trent Beretta. Uh, this match was like just vicious, crazy, bloody. Trent getting cut on getting a cutter onto thumbtacks from Moxley, and then Penta uh, hitting a gotch style getting hit by a gotch style pile driver by Moxley through on thumbtacks. Just absolutely beating the hell out of each other in this match. Trent also need Moxley and was like gassing himself up during the whole thing too. And um, as the paradigm shift was hit by Moxley and Penta, like he said, Trent came in, need Mox out of the ring, and then proceeded to pin Penta to win the match. And Moxley, not too happy about that, how he did all the work and lost the match, chokes out Trent as Claudio and Wheeler Yuta come out. And then as they come down from the crowd, they get intercepted by Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. And then Trent also jumps off the top of the rope onto the BCC. And as they uh, start going onto it, they just keep fighting. And look, Chuck Taylor goes like, this didn't accomplish a damn thing. So we're going to end this Friday Friday night on Rampage. Meet us in Daly's place. Meet us in the parking lot. So we're getting another parking lot brawl from the best friends. And like, listen, pan, like that era of pandemic re- era wrestling, the parking lot brawl was one of the like top tier stuff between uh, the best friends and Pride, um, Proud and Powerful. Like that match is still highly regarded for AEW. And we're getting another one. And it's going to feature the BCC and the best friends. Like perfect, perfect team to also be included in this match too. I'm stoked. If Stu doesn't show up, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, I, I feel like the Blackpool Combat Club has become the AEW definitive no rules match. Guys, you need a no rules match, you call the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, if Sue yeah. doesn't show up, dude, I'm going to be fucking yeah, she, pissed. If she, she has to be there. She has to drop them off. Maybe she hands a... Uh, uh, train a weapon. I don't know. That's gonna be amazing. Something, dude. No, uh, no. Sue has to be there. If Sue's not there. Just scrap the whole thing. Uh, literally, if Sue doesn't drive them, I'm gonna be watching Rampage. If Sue does not drive them to the fight, I'm just gonna turn it off. There's no point for me. To, no point for me to watch it. I need my Sue in my life. Uh, she's uh the AEW mom, and uh, no, uh. Sue dropping off her best friends to, you know, basically fight two, two maniacs is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, this is going to be very, very bloody, very, very violent, very, very well done. This is kind of becoming the staple of the Blackpool Combat Club. They're going to, they don't want to wrestle you. They want to fight you. Yes. Um, we then moved on to at MJF's amazing promo. Uh, basically getting really emotional, having a heart-to-heart conversation with the crowd. And, you know, some of you remember I have attention deficit disorder, which got an ADD chant from the crowd, which was hysterical. And he said, look, this disorder came with a litany of other disorders linked to it. One was rejection-sensitive disorder, which basically being his brain isn't structured to reject, regulate rejection-based emotions or behaviors making life which makes life really difficully for him. And our, him, it's been life would have been difficult without RSD. 
and he talked about how he's been bullied, cheated, lied to, battered, beaten up, brought up the quarters incident, the pick it up Jew boy thing that he mentioned in that in that promo related to CM Punk last year. And he talked all the time, like, listen, I in my instance of trying to avoid stabbing like stabbing everyone in the back avoiding to be stabbed myself he realized like i was protecting myself and i ended up becoming one of them and i made myself a scumbag and it's easy making you people hate me is easy but being vulnerable and open is hard and he's like you know what i'm not scared anymore because of each and every one of you you taught me that you do care about max you've got sympathy for the devil I'm not going to change overnight. I'm still a scumbag, but I'm ready to be your scumbag by the T-shirt. Uh, and then he brings out Adam Cole, calls him his best friends, one of the best humans in the world. They chant for Adam Cole, and he's like, "You continue." Adam's like, "You continue to impress me, impress me every day." But you are already at such a young age, one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. But it's the man that you're becoming that is amazing. But you're not alone, dude. It's like I was a jerk because I thought it's what I had to do to be success and I was scared he said you are becoming the man you need to be and I'm incredibly proud of you and these people love you and adore you and they know deep down there's a good heart and a good guy in you and MJF made the promise after our match against FTR win, lose, or draw you get a shot at the triple B and you don't deserve a match you don't deserve just any match you deserve the match Wembley Stadium Main event, all in. And there it is. The first match announced for all in Wembley Stadium. And it's the main event match. And it's the hottest it's the hottest thing in AEW right now. It is. So, and I mean, that's what you want to be, and it's funny. Cause I saw this online and, and I'm not going with the petty thing. It's like Adam Cole went from <laughs> joke to everybody's like oh he's going to manage someone on the uh wwe roster to literally main eventing a wrestlemania type crowd again like i said he was yeah you was literally gonna be paired with keith lee as his manager and now he's gonna main event wembley stadium with mjf like it's yeah. insane this it's guy, absolutely insane and, and it's it's a hot 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 storyline it's like the thing in AEW right now so it's like this it, it wasn't like oh we're not just giving it to you to stick it it's like you've earned it the work that uh MJF and Adam Cole have done uh making this storyline work which you know a lot of people are like oh he's gonna turn he's gonna turn and it's like it has everybody on the edge of the seat wondering when is it gonna turn not just when. well so much so too that they're they're going back and looking at the old footage of when he turned on Roderick Strong in NXT, the fist on the back in the hug being like, that's the motion for stabbing in the back. And being and, and you've got backstage Roderick Strong flipping out and then you had Ma- Matt Taven and Mike Bennett show up too, being like, that's Adam Cole forgetting about his real friends always. Um, but yeah, this, this entire feud is like this entire like just storyline has been outstanding it deserves to main event all in. It's got me so excited for that for that pay per view, and excited to see like what transpires 
before All In and how this match evolves in the storyline before we actually get to the bell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, the match is going to be a banger, but that's secondary to who's going to screw who. And are we just going to And how is it going to take place? Are we just going to get a regular match? What's going to happen here? It's like... Is it going to take place even... Is the screwing going to be taking place at Wembley? Is Roderick Strong in the kingdom going to play into it at all? I mean, there's so many questions that they've opened up, so many doors, so many ways they can do. And it's like, oh, we got two friends fighting for the world title at All In. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Um... We had a trios match between the Elite and Jay Lethal, Jer- Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh. I would basically see this as this was just a match to get the Elite on television just so they could be like, we've resigned. But also, the only other thing, too, that was great about it was you had it was a very comedy, elite, fun match where um, Matt Jackson was calling out and he wanted to get Satnam Singh in the ring. And he gets in, he stares down at him, and he gets terrified. His his brother's in and he tags looks to tag nick and and kenny omega in. they just walk down the ramp they just walk down the steps and they're like nope we're not tagging us in for this um the jeff jarrett's guitar nearly got used and then kenny omega takes it and knocks jeff jarrett down and starts like playing fake guitar over top of him which was hysterical uh and then that's when he hits the one-winged angel on jay lethal wins the match it was a fun match but it was clearly just a fun, like, goof-off elite match. And then it finished with Hangman coming out basically saying, we are here, uh, and we have re-signed, and here's to the next 200. And it was like, whether it's Dynamite, Ring of Honor, Rampage, heck, even Collision, boo, y'all suck. Uh, you're going to be seeing more of us, and love that. So, again, no, it's that simple. The no. backstage shit clearly wasn't that severe if they were willing to resign and that's all i'm saying i wish they would have just announced that on the show and then did the press release yeah it would have been really cool that way honestly i mean and the match makes like way more sense if he comes out at least it at least gives the build-up to the announcement way more than we know oh this is just so the elite could get on tv so they could announce it on tv the only thing i think of is that somehow it had leaked so they decided, you know, just to take control over right. it. Because that seemed like that moment just seemed like the perfect moment to actually announce it. You know, yeah, to imagine absolutely. everybody in the audience not know what's coming, that pop or whatever, when they say, oh, we're, we're back. And it's like, I still kind of was like, yeah, that's it's good. And, you know, again, I've already talked about how much I'm happy that they're there. But Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Sodom Singh, they understand their role in the company is probably as much as any wrestler understands their role in the company. Yeah, straight up. Um, can we talk about how good that Mogul Embassy segment was when they invaded the Buddy Wayne Wrestling Academy you, you and talking jumped about Nick the, Wayne? You talking about the snuff film that we watched? That played That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, dude, uh, that segment was great. Like, dude, uh, uh, I am uh, like... I just don't want to be like just sitting up here, just like just telling people how awesome someone is. And I've been saying it for months now that Swerve Ooh. Swerve is leveling up, and this whole the AR Fox thing, and then uh, you you got Stokely there just looking 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Prince Nana just looking uh, as smarmy heel as anything. And this is like real like gang warfare, gang violence type shit. And he's like, I'm coming back to take everything away from you. And they beat the shit out of Nick Wayne. Dude, this was such yeah, great heat for this game. group. And dude, I have said I have said this, and maybe people think I'm crazy for it. Like, because let's be fair, Hit Row on WWE's main roster, fallen off a bit. If Swerve Strickland was still part of that group, they would honestly be way more over. Yeah, yeah. I want to say this. I want to give a shout out to all the old people that listen to the show. This reminded me of a certain scene through a movie, and it was uh, uh there was a movie called The Last Dragon back in the eighties. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Uh, the, the villain in the movie was named Shownuff, and he comes in with his gang into the hero's uh family's pizza group room, and then beats the shit out of everybody in there, and uh, like throws the kid in a trash can. And it was just like at the end of this scene when I, in the eighties. I hated Shonuff so much and just wanted him to get beat up. And that's how I felt last night. I was legitimately angry at Swerve and wanted him to get his ass kicked, which to me is the best. You know I mean, that means you're doing your job. Yeah, pretty much. That means you're doing your job. So yeah. it was really, really good. And it's got me excited to see the feud continue. Uh, Ring of Honor World titles were being defended. Aussie Open versus the AAA Mega Champion El Hijo del Vikingo and Commander. Um, one thing to say on this match was the uh, amazing, amazing fucking uh, jumping off of, I can't remember, uh, jumping no, no, off of no, Mark, no. Mark Davis and then hitting a fucking Canadian Destroyer after jumping off of uh, Mark Davis and hitting it on Kyle Fletcher. And then they proceeded to do like stereo moonsaults off of the top rope while walking on the top rope. Those two are insane. All the luchadors in AEW have been nuts, but Vikingo and Commander, what the fuck? Like, that is insane. So there's this thing that you probably didn't even know this happened in a match. No one probably noticed. Only reason I noticed is because Will fucking Ospreay, one of the generation's best wrestlers, uh, retweeted on something. So... Uh, uh, Vikingo goes in for what looks like it's going to be a Tilt-A-World slam. He rolls up uh, uh, rolls up uh, Kyle Fletcher's name, uh, uh, back on the side. He does like three turns, takes his legs, wraps it around his head, and then flips him over. And uh, literally, Will Ospreay put, what the fuck? Because I can honestly say, until someone slowed it down, I didn't know what he did. It was that dynamic and that fast. He basically rolled up his shoulder, then turned it into uh, a Hurricane Rana or a or leg lock takeover. And it's like, when you make Will Ospreay say, what the fuck in all caps, you have done something. For real? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, again, when you're so good... People have to slow it down to see what you did. That's exceptional <laughs> yeah. on another level. Because I, I I saw him take the move. I was watching it, and I saw him take the move. But he did it so quickly, I really didn't even you know what even happened. Register. Yeah, yeah, I didn't register what exactly had happened. So Drainmaker on Twitter, at Drain Bamager, as in 
brain damage her, but you know, with the B and the D, right? He he posted it and it was just like, and he had slowed it down, and I was like, oh shit, he did do that. Yeah, right, Viking, uh, Vikingo, on another level. Yeah, I'm so stoked about it. I think it's gonna be like these guys are on another level. Anytime they're on AEW, I always get so gassed because they'll always do something amazing. They're yeah. just so entertaining. Yeah, man. You know, United Empire very much like if who if FTR didn't exist, they're my favorite tag team in wrestling. Uh, yeah, they're, they're big, they're strong, they're fast, they're violent, they're physical, they're everything I like in wrestling. And yeah, their finisher is sick. And I, when you like, I'm, I consider myself when I want to be, when I want to turn on that part of my head, I can be a very critical wrestling, uh, very critical uh, observer of wrestling. I don't think there's anything they can do better. Yeah. All I know is that if you give United Empire a trios titles match, I'm going to like be fucking freaking out so much, like, because it will be insane. Yes. If, if we see that down the line. I just got to say. Absolutely. Because if we see that, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. But main event time. The AEW Women's World Championship. Tony Storm defending against Hikaru Shida. Um, and this was a good women's dynamite Dude, match. And I, you that, know also what? Featured, that also featured a title change. You so, have been waiting on this. This is all you, sir. Okay, so first of all, want to open it by saying love Hikaru Shida. I think the fact that she finally gets to have a women's championship title reign in front of fans is amazing. I think it's a great moment for her because I think it's about time that she had this opportunity to run with the AW Women's Championship when there's fans in attendance because she never had that opportunity in the pandemic era. So first off, want to say that's been a great a great chance that we get to see her run with that title and I want to see what she does with it and I want to see what they do with it. Um and Tony Storm has been damn solid as the AEW Women's Champion. I love the Outcast. All three members of them are great. I just want to put that out there. But it's been a lot of talk as always about the AEW Women's Division. Um there is a woman by the can you uh confirm to make sure cuz had the tweet pulled up and my phone just messed it up. So, uh, can you actually bring up the uh, the woman who was uh, talking, like the woman, the woman wrestler who was talking about the women's division uh, on the inside? Yeah, Lefisto. Lefisto. So she basically, uh, sorry, I feel a sneeze coming on right now. I don't know why that is the case. It's gonna hold it and it's not gonna go and it's gonna be really annoying. It's gone now, so we'll just move on. Um, Lefisto basically had a call with some women's wrestlers inside the company. She did not name names, but basically said, you know, to the effect of what we've kind of almost sort of been in initiating a little bit, which is the fact that Tony Khan doesn't give a fuck about the women's division. Um, now, we've said that in a sense of like, it's not his focus. We've said that before. He very much has a focus on the male storylines and those types of things and like, you know, the indie riffic stuff and you know, all that kind of stuff, CM Punk, all that kind of, his, his, his hands and his interest for booking the company are in different ways. The women, unfortunately, have taken a backseat. We've said that. We have not been afraid to say that, and it's not been a focus of Tony Khan. Now, this main event women's match seemed like, you know, title change and have this on the main event as like a shut up kind of thing. Like, I'm booking the women, like, get, like, calm the hell down. They're going to be good. 
Like, you got to chill out. But I will also say, too, because I know there's a lot of people that are jumping down AEW's throats for this. And I honestly want to bring up a case. And this doesn't absolve AEW. This doesn't absolve the lack of booking of the women's division on television and how we typically only get one one women's match a a show or we get, like, maybe two feuds uh, tops for the women's division. Um, and even with the TBS championship, this is only just the first few that we're getting Mercedes Martinez and, uh, Chris Stalander, And we don't know if this is going to extend past one match. So I'm not absolving AEW for whatsoever what's happening with the women's division. It should be booked better. I think that's the case, but I would like to also offer a statement saying women's wrestling should be booked better company wide, not just AEW. WWE also falls into this bracket too because I want to honest to God ask you tell me another storyline involving the women's division in WWE that doesn't involve Rhea Ripley or Ronda Rousey tell me honestly tell me like because we all know the people that are being used we know Becky Lynch we know the four horsewomen are still being booked on television stuff like that but like are the storylines really kicking? Or is the main thing that's in everybody's head with a, with WWE the Bloodline storyline and the fact that they want Rhea Ripley to step on them? Seriously. Women's wrestling is in a lull right now. And it's a sad thing to say because there's so many talented women's wrestlers out right now. But we are in a low point for women's wrestling. And it doesn't just involve AEW. It involves WWE too. The New Japan Strong Division just got started because they've been doing American shows. And if you do American shows, you have to have women's wrestling. And really the only woman to kind of really make a splash there, there's two. There's Willow Nightingale, who's now doing stuff with AEW consistently. And there's Mercedes Monet, and she got hurt. She's still slowly, we're going to get to the point where she's coming back and gets back into full speed and all that kind of stuff. But women's wrestling is in a lull. Like, industry-wide, women's wrestling needs to be booked better. Because, like, seriously, the one thing that people talk about with women's wrestling in AEW in WWE is how hot Rhea Ripley is and all that kind of stuff. And that's tied with Dominic Mysterio and all that stuff. Rhea Ripley hasn't really done much defending of her title. She's just walked around with Dominic most of the time. She hasn't had any challengers necessarily for that title. The women's match that just got booked for SummerSlam got pulled for time. They put a pointless battle royal on SummerSlam and pulled the women's match off the card. That has actively happened. So it is not just an AEW situation where they're the only ones booking women's wrestling wrong. WWE isn't doing a great job with women's wrestling either. And look, NXT's not in a great place either. Like, obviously, I'm a little bit more out of the loop in that regard, but I haven't really seen many people say a lot of great stuff about Tiffany Stratton. I remember great, I heard Great American Bash. That women's match was pretty rough. So it's not in a great place. The whole industry of women's wrestling is not in a good place. And this tends to happen where certain areas of wrestling gets in lulls. Other fans fans get pulled into what's interesting them at the time. The Bloodline storyline, MJF and Adam Cole, CM Punk, FTR. Like other storylines are pulling people's attention and women's wrestling hasn't been involved in that. Now I think the entire women's wrestling world bounced back. Because there are so many talented women and there are opportunities for all of these women to be booked in storylines that intrigue the audience and get people interested. I truly believe that. But I just want to step in at least to be like, look, 
This is an industry-wide problem. This needs to be fixed across the board. So don't dog on one company for it. Get on everybody. Vince, Hunter, Tony Khan, everybody should be booking women's wrestling better because it is an industry that needs women's wrestling in this in this day and age because it has such a con, like a set like a, there is a huge opportunity to connect with fans and women's wrestling has always been something in the last like 15 plus years that has needed to be better and in the mid 2010s it got so good so good but we've hit a low so that is the only statement I want to add I hope the Hikaru Shida AEW World Championship run where she finally gets to have a title reign in front of fans, I hope that leads opportunities for lots of great matches. I hope that Chris Stadlander's TBS title run, where she's going to be facing Mercedes Mar- Martinez, I hope that possibly blossoms into a storyline. I hope the Outcasts have stuff to do after Tony Storm lost the title, because the Outcasts are still amazing. And in regards to the Twitter stuff, too, again, like I said, the bringing up of the ratings, like, hey, you guys aren't getting ratings and all that kind of stuff, like, I think it's an opportunity for the girls to really step up and do stuff because there are so many talented women on the roster. You know what doesn't need to happen? Having meetings where you just shoot on Thunder Rosa. I get people don't like Thunder Rosa, but how does this accomplish anything? Honestly, even if Thunder Rosa is an awful, toxic woman, even if that's the case, how does this help anything? You're just sitting around shooting on her and just talking shit. You guys aren't doing stuff to push the women's division forward. I'm not saying that that's the case with everybody, but I'm just saying if what that Twitter statement was true, that was the thing. Just dedicating meetings to just shoot on Thunder, Thunder Rosa. And also, why is TK involved in that? Very confusing. The whole ordeal was very confusing. But okay. at I- the end of the day, I just, want, I just want that to be made clear. Women's wrestling needs to approve across the board. That's that's all I want to make the point for. I don't know if I don't know. If- all right. So this whole situation, I, I love that you said if this was true. The thing about Lufisto, from what I understand, she did one match on Dark and maybe had an interview with TK. This is her uh, basically communicating how other people feel. Uh, and how other people feel in AEW. And I don't think anything especially sensationalized or whatever came from it. I mean, it sounds like she's describing a, a locker room with clicks, and she's describing a place where people are trying to protect their spot. Unfortunately, in wrestling, wrestling is not doesn't tend to be, at least most of the time, run like a meritocracy. It's not like, oh, you're the best wrestler, so you get this spot. It is based on connections, uh, you know, abil- you know, some ability, the ability to draw, ability to make money there. But it, a lot of it's connections who you're friends with. You click up. I made this point in the group that I was in. The click literally runs WWE right now. So making clicks, strength in numbers, that's a thing. So I don't think that described anything like what was described as anything quote-unquote toxic co some co-workers don't like each other whatever organizing groups to diss someone i I don't know if that happened again this person's not in the locker room she's reporting what she's heard 
she's reporting someone else's experience. So I, I, I mean, I, I do my best to just take that with, you know, as much respect as them. Cause I, I mean, I really have no real experience with Lufisto. I don't think I've watched her wrestle a lot. I mean, maybe impact or whatever, but nothing she's done has been particularly memorable to me. That is not an insult to her. I just, I watch a lot of wrestling. So there's a good chance I've watched wrestling and seen people wrestle that I don't remember. So, um, no, I, you know, I take her, I take her at her word, you know, uh, but I also say, uh, that when you're outside, you don't necessarily know the whole story. I don't think the locker room has anything to do with booking. I, I say this when, when it comes to booking and it comes to women's wrestling, it comes TV having a, I think, as an outside wrestling fan, talking as a fan, you just have to have, you know, a path. You have to be able in a point to see what was coming. Chris Statlander beat Jade. We knew that was coming. You know, it made sense. It made sense in this. They have been building the storyline for a while for Stat to come in. Uh, when Thunder Rosa beat Britt, when Britt finally beat Hikaru Shida, it was all mapped out and planned. So we do need to get back to that. And I do think Hikaru Shida could be what's called a get-right champion. Sometimes when a division's having a problem, you put the title on someone that is just really stable. They might not be the most over person, but they're always going to put out good matches. They're always they're going to put a good uh, shine a good light on the title. Hikaru Shida's the perfect person for this role in AEW. I, but she needs a hot feud. And that's what the women's division is missing is a hot feud. Uh, they built the outcast and then there was some injuries to Jamie and all that stuff. And then there was no pivot. You needed a pivot. And so we will see what's going to, going to go forward. I'm going to take this Hikaru Shida. I'm going to say this is the best foot forward on hopefully a start to a new path. Again, proclivity of positivity. I'm always going to try to look into the bright side, but I have been very clear. Since 2019, when me and a former co-host of this show, Amy, were on One Nation Radio, that uh, the women's division has bright spots at times, but nothing sustained. Nothing a sustained level. And what that means is it's going to mean sometimes taking the hit in the ratings to help build characters to help people get used to people being on TV. And that's what you that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to invest in time, invest in story or whatever and just really focus on getting this division over. Yeah. But uh, largely, again, there's no perfect there's no perfect wrestling company. AEW yes. is my preferred wrestling company and I love WWE. I love WWE too, but I can tell you a lot of stuff I don't like about WWE. I can tell you a few things I don't like about AEW. So that's my whole thought. Shout out to Lufisto. I'm not, yeah, like I said, I'm not saying yeah. she's lying. I'm not saying she's telling the truth. I'm saying we don't know. And that's where I'm going to stick with. And my whole, my comments were based on if it was true and if it's not true. And like I said, it didn't seem like, like Tony Khan was back there beating people with kendo sticks or something like that. It didn't seem like there was this, a huge abuse thing going on. It just sounded like locker room clicked up. P 
People clicked up. People have friends. And they're dicks to other people. That's wrestling. That's been wrestling. <laughs> no, like, it is what it is. Yeah, like I said, it's 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 an ins- it's an instance where, like I said, I'm not absolving any of the problems. I'm not trying to be like, oh, look over here for other problems. No, it's like there's problems in AEW with women's division. There's problems in WWE in the women's division. Women's wrestling is just struggling right now, and I don't want that. I want women's wrestling to be thriving. There's a lot of fans who love women's wrestling, and so many of the girls who are wrestling nowadays are unbelievably talented. More so than there has been in women's wrestling for decades. There is so much talent nowadays. We need stories of these girls that matter. And like Floyd said, sometimes to get some of these, take a hit in the ratings. You broke up, right? You you broke up right there. So sometimes what? Oh, sorry. So sometimes I was saying what Floyd exactly said, like earlier on. Sometimes you have to take a hit in the ratings in order to slowly build a storyline that will pay off dividends in the future where these girls will be crazy over this story will be over and you'll get a big money match at a pay-per-view it's that simple so also the other thing that i will say that i have liked about it is how everyone has come to agree that ruby soho is a gem who should be protected at all costs and i've said that from day one i love ruby soho gotta say that off top so i love how that's also a thing that's kind of come out of this whole twitter ordeal but yeah support women's wrestling across the board and i hope maybe this is a sign of better things to come it has been a company that has had high points in women's wrestling but not a lot of consistency yes so this is how you support women's wrestling don't turn your channel don't leave your seat buy shirts and merchandise that's how you support women's wrestling yes buy their shit like don't have the i mean we're gonna look we're looking at the top 10 of shop AEW, guess what? I don't see. Yes. Support your people. Exactly. All the way, all the way through. Support your people all the way through. Yeah, but that's it for this week in AEW. Uh, going into the preview for Rampage that'll be airing tonight. When you guys hear this, uh, we are going to have, of course, the parking lot fight between the Blackpool Combat Club and the Best Friends. Swerve Strickland and AR Fox will be in action. We get Ethan Page and the Hardys versus the Butcher, the Blade, and Kip Sabian, and Anna J versus Sky Blue on Rampage. And then in return, in terms of Collision, they already defended the tag team titles, but they're going to be defending it again this time against Big Bill and Brian Cage. FTR facing off against Big Bill and Brian Cage, and the real world champion will be in action defending his title against. Ricky Starks, CM Punk is going to wipe the floor with him. And then we're going to get the TBS Championship match between Chris Statlander and Mercedes Martinez. Three big title matches on Collision. Three to, big title matches. In a matches, week, they're yes. going up against SummerSlam. So they, they're trying. They, they're, they're doing they're, their they're, damnedest. Yeah, they're, they're being doing. like, hey, there's got to be a reason for you to at least watch it yeah. and, or at least DVR it. And let's, let's be real. What are you excited about on SummerSlam? Like, seriously. Jay and Roman and maybe Cody Brock. Yeah. But like how excited can you be for Cody Brock again? Yeah, and it's there's no the fact that it's in Detroit. Shout out to all my Detroit peeps. I hope you hope you have an amazing time at the show. Detroit needs more wrestling shows like this. Please. Please. There's no stip in Cody and Brock. It's just there is none. Yeah. It's just a match. That's terrible. 
That's terrible. Uh, it's honestly, I, like I said, yeah, it is a kind of crazy book the, SummerSlam, I will say, for the, the most part. The match I'm looking forward to the most, Drew versus Gunther. I'm not a huge Gunther yes. fan, but I am a fan of big meaty men slapping meat and pretty much can't get too bigger, get too much bigger than those gentlemen right there. So that should be fun. But no, uh, AEW has an amazing card. Uh, I, I always say stay vigilant. I am. I, I have to admit, I am going to have some friends over, and we are going to be watching SummerSlam. But, and I was like, oh, I feel so ashamed. The wife, brilliant idea. We have this thing in the living room, and she's like, won't you just bring the other TV in? So we're going to be watching SummerSlam and Collision at the same time. Fuck the world. Love wrestling. Yeah, there. Yeah, one's there gonna you be, go. One's there gonna be go. on mute, unfortunately, but we're gonna have them both on because you know gotta support it. But yeah, uh, definitely support AEW. Support your. Uh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be trying, dude. Like, there's a. Uh, there's actually a meet and greet happening uh, Saturday morning uh, in Detroit where I'm gonna try to meet uh, Sami Zayn and Ke- Kevin Owens. Hey. I've never met those two. I've never met those two, and they are two of my legit favorite people in WWE right now. I'm gonna try to see if we can make that happen. It's at a Cricket Wireless. Um, heads up, actually. Do you know how Cricket? Wi- do you have to buy something for a Cricket Wireless? No, no, uh, no it's, com- it's a completely free meeting. Are greets. they completely free? Completely free. Take a chair. Awesome. Get there fucking early because you, uh, unfortunately, you got an extra thirty thousand people in there uh, for it. So. However yeah, early you think, it is SummerSlam yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. However early you think you sh- it should be there, be there earlier than that. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so we'll see if we can make that happen. Like I said, it, it's the day that I work to, and I got to be able to make it back from Detroit to uh, home so I can work that day. So we might not even be able to do it, but we're gonna try because if I can beat Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, right. we're gonna fucking try. Dude, uh, do a task rabbit and pay a guy just the standing line for you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I've always right. thought about doing that, but I just like being in lines. Uh, yeah, we, I got in a uh, big discussion very quickly. I'm going to get through this very quick. Big discussion with my friends. They were talking about how much they hate lines, and I said, the line in wrestling, and you might have heard me say this on the show, is the heartbeat of uh, wrestling fandom to me. I have met so many of my friends. I've met so yeah. many other, so many different opinions, so many different things in line. That, you know, like, it's the basis of if you want to know, because if you're standing in line for hours to meet someone, you're a hardcore wrestling fan. Or you're at least friends with a hardcore wrestling fan that you're willing to stand in line with. So getting to hear all those different opinions is uh, always what I've always liked. It's how uh, how I form different opinions on what's working and what's not working. So, yeah, I'm a line stander. I know everybody hates lines, but... I am a very big line standard. It's what I do. So, uh, but yeah, I met Jr. in the line. There One of go. my closest friends in the world met him in the line. So, yeah, we'll see if I can make that happen. But we don't really have any other news or headline headlines or anything like that. So I think this will close it out though for this episode of All Things Elite. Uh, guys, thank you so so much for tuning in. Uh, we really do appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, continue to download it on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify, wherever you choose to listen to us, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, and also subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a rating and a review. All of that helps out the show tremendously. You can follow us on Twitter, not X. I will never call that. Elon Musk is a fucking middle-aged child.
Anyways, you can follow us at AT Elite Pod. Uh, you can also follow at Social Suplex, who make this show possible. Please check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Um, and I will leave it off to him so he can take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. As usual, I'd like to thank everybody that has taken a moment to listen to this show, download it, share it with your friends. I appreciate you all. Shout out. Uh, I saw I got some messages on Twitter uh, that we were tagged in. I'm going to go through and get those replied to a little later today. I appreciate all of you for interacting with us. Definitely love that. And uh, just, um, yeah, we're August. We're 21 days uh, 21 days from uh, I did, when I leave for All In. I am excited. I am super nervous, and I'm just, it's going to be amazing. I, oh, yeah, I got my new shoes. I showed them with Austin. They are my CMFTR1s, as I like to call them, and I'm very excited about wearing them. I actually, uh, and showing, you know, showing the boys if they're doing a, a fan fest or whatever. And But, yeah, to each all of y'all, take care of each other. We're in that dog days of summer. It's hot. Everybody gets a little cranky. I mean, turn the AC up, go over your friend's house, turn the AC up, make sure you're staying hydrated because those, all those things affect your mood. But I'm going to leave you like I always leave you, whether it is home, whether it is work, whether it's all the kids returning back to school, always do your best to be elite. 